We are continuing our series on the book of Jonah, and today I'm going to take us, and we're going to be focusing on, on God, the God of hope, or the God that we can have hope in. Our uh, text is just this one passage, I'll read it. This is at the end of the book of Jonah, where God has relented, turned from destroying the city of Nineveh, and here we hear, read Jonah's reply. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious, you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Amen. We serve a good God, don't we? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word and pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts today. As we look into this book again, I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to us and that, God, you'd speak to each one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Years, many years ago, An S-4 submarine was rammed by a ship off the coast of Massachusetts and quickly sank to the bottom. The entire crew was trapped inside this sub. Every effort was made to rescue the crew uh, and yet to no avail. There was a deep sea diver who was down doing everything he could to find any way to rescue the crew. But as he was going near and around the sub, he heard tapping. He recognized it as Morse code. He put his helmet close to the the sub and began in his mind to spell out what the message was saying. The message was a question repeating again and again and again. Is there any hope? Many people today in many situations and many difficulties can cry the same thing cry of looking for hope. People all around us, sometimes living life, but yet on the inside they're wondering or crying, they're asking that same question, is there any hope? We can even look at our world today and see crime and violence, killing, wars, lying, all the different things that are going on, and we can say about our world, is there any hope? As we would define and look at the word hope, Hope is a, an expectation or good of good. Another would say a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen or want something to happen. In the English language, uh, in the vocabulary, it's, it's generally distinguished from certainty. But when we attach God to hope, when we look at hope in the Bible, when we talk about Christian hope, Hope is not wishful thinking. It's not saying, I hope something will happen. If God has said it, if God is in it, then there is hope and there is certainty. Christian hope is when God has promised that something is going to happen, it will happen. Christian hope is about putting your trust in that promise. It's about putting your trust, your hope in God. Christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it, God has said it will happen. 
hope in God, no matter what happens, we can put our hope in God. And Christian hope is hope in an almighty God, an all-powerful God. And it's not meant to be something that's small. It's not meant to be something that we sit on the shelf. Hope is meant to be something that shines bright. I remember years ago coming home when we lived south of Sarnia, and I was driving home uh, at that point working in a hospital, and there was a snowstorm, and I couldn't see anything. I was driving through Chemical Valley, what it was called, all the refineries and plants there, and I knew at the end that there was a curve that led, us, led me along the river, and yet I couldn't see a thing. And yet as I turned into Chemical Valley, down at the end, one of the refineries had a stack that burnt off gas, a huge flame. In the midst of this storm where nothing else I could see around me, this flame I saw, and I knew exactly where to aim for, and I knew exactly where the curve was and how to get home. Our hope, even in the midst of the darkest and the worst days, is meant to shine like a light, like a flame, burnt and bright. Not for ourselves and because of ourselves, but for him that we have hope in. Amen? Amen. I may get excited today. I'll just give you warning. Put your seatbelts on, as Pastor would say. When I get talking about God, I get excited. I believe God's something that we can get excited about. Amen? Amen. Your response didn't really give me a lot of encouragement, but we'll see. (laughs) I've got five points. We'll see what you're like at the end, all right? First thing in looking at hope, again, that's meant to be seen as an encouragement to others and also as a witness to some. Hope. Hope in the second chances. Now, here Pastor Todd spoke on this passage in this last week. So if you missed it or you weren't able to respond, here is a second chance for you to get that. Did you get that? Jonah was running from God. He was in total disobedience, rebellion, rejection of what God had called him to do. God could have killed Jonah, but he didn't. He could have judged him, but he didn't. God allowed Jonah to run. He caused a storm to get Jonah's attention. He also caused a great fish to save Jonah from drowning. He caused the fish not to eat him, but to hold him until Jonah three days later would repent and humbly turn to God. We read in Jonah chapter 2, in the first part of verse 1, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry ground. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Second chances. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech played the University of California in the Rose Bowl. In that game, there was a player called Roy Regals. He had uh, received a a fumble for California, but in that process of catching, he got disoriented and began to run 65 yards in the wrong direction. Finally, one of his own players was able to tackle him before he got a point for the other team. However, in that next attempt, the punt was all uh, played up and the other team was able to get a score, which would eventually be the point that they would win by. That was in the first half of the game. At halftime, the teams go in, and Roy Regals with his team went, and they sat in their change room, 
Roy Regal sat in the corner putting a blanket around him and wept. Usually the coach was giving them instructions, and, but the coach said nothing. They were given the three-minute warning to go back out, and the coach stood up and he said, the same players that played the first half will play the second half. The men got up and started to file out, except for Roy Regals. The coach called him. Didn't you hear me, Roy? The same players that played the first half are going to play the second half. Roy looks up, huge, big football man tears coming down his face. He says, Coach, I can't. For the life of me, I can't go back out there. I've disgraced the team. I've disgraced the university. I've disgraced you. I've disgraced myself. I can't go out in front of those people again and play. The coach came over, put his hand on his shoulder, and said, Roy, get up. Go on back out there. That was only the first half. Roy Regals went out and he played. Although his team lost, many would say that they have never seen anyone play like Roy Regals played that second half. Second chances. Have you ever felt like Roy? Have you ever felt like you blew it, like you made mistakes, like you blew it big time? Have you ever felt like Jonah? Like you were running from God or running from what God wants? We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances, seventh chances. How many can say amen? amen. We serve a God who continues to give chances, chances. We are called to live our Christian life the best we can. We are called to live in a way that pleases God, that honors God, that reflects God. But if we fail, if we fall short, if we mess up, there is hope in God. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus who can be saved or how many times we should forgive someone, seven times. And Jesus replies, 77 times, which is a number referring to keep going without limit. In Ephesians, we read from Paul, if in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. The riches of God's grace is without limit that he has lavished upon us. In 1 John, we read this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, is before the throne of God. And as we come, even if we have messed up and we come to God, he's there. And he is there to make intercession for us. Hebrews says this, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
That phrase means that it's it's something that's ongoing. It's something that is continual. Intercede, it's not just a one-time thing, but something that he will continue, continue, and continue to do. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been interceding for his people. Not just the first time, but every time we come to God, even when we have messed up. The second hope we have is in the heart of God. Here we read in chapter 3, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I, have, that I tell you. The book of Jonah reveals a lot about God. It reveals a lot about the heart of God. How God treated Jonah and how God responded to Nineveh reveals a lot about who God is. And God has not changed. In Revelation we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. In James we read, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, referring to God. And in Psalms it talks about God being from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the things about God is that God is holy. In Jonah chapter 1, we read, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. God is without sin. He is holy. He is pure. Sin goes against the very nature of who God is. He cannot be part of it. In Isaiah, we read about Isaiah's vision. He saw the Lord on his throne, and he saw the seraphim flying above him. And what did they cry to one another? But holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The second thing about God is that God is just. In Jonah chapter 3, we read, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, God is holy. He cannot just pretend. He cannot just overlook. He cannot ignore sin. God, as God, creator of the universe, is also its judge. Sin and evil has been and will be judged. In Revelation chapter 20, we read about the great white throne judgment where one day all the dead, all mankind, will be judged and will stand before God. Now, if that is all that there is of God, then there would be no hope. But God is more. Can you say amen? There is more to God, and that is where we find hope because God is also love. And again, jump. Jonah chapter 4, we read, And should not I pity, talking, God talking here, pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. Here we find the hope for Nineveh. Here we find the hope for all mankind. It is in the love of God. Again, the story, Nineveh is an evil city. And it has become so bad that it has come up before God and God must take action. Similar to the flood in Genesis 6 and Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18, God is going to deal with Nineveh because of its great evil. 
God could have just judged it. He could have just destroyed it. But he calls for a messenger. God's holiness and justice demand one thing. But God's love, the heart of God, looks for options, forms a plan, a plan that comes from his love. God calls and sends someone with a message of hope to offer the people hope. God had another plan, a plan for all mankind, for you and for me, and that is a plan of salvation. In John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus Christ, he came not just with a message, but to be the solution. Jesus Christ has become the very hope of the world, of all mankind. All who believe in him as Savior, that is, receive the forgiveness of sins through his blood and what he did upon the cross. All who receive him as Lord, that, does mean, that means humbly receiving him, living for him. Enter into a relationship with God, a relationship of hope, an eternal hope. You and I, we are messengers of a message of hope. And that's what the church is. Everyone who has been touched and changed by this message of Christ. Everyone who has heard and accepted the message of Jesus. Everyone who has believed and received the message of Jesus Christ has been entrusted with a message to share. Mark 16 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, How then will they call on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Are you like Jonah? Are you running? Are you hiding? Don't fear. All we have to do is be willing to share the goodness of God, the hope of God through Jesus Christ with those that we come in contact with. There's a reason the gospel is called good news. First of all, it's good. And secondly, it's news to be shared, to be lived. Next, hope is in God's patience. Again, Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Did you notice that? 40 days. Not three days, not seven days, but 40 days that they might hear the message, that they might respond to the message that they might have time to change. Now, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, it said that it was a three-day's journey to go around or through 
Nineveh. And yet God gave them 40 days. Our God is amazing, isn't he? Our God is amazing. How many chances did God offer you? How many times did you hear the message before you received it? How many years did it take for you to respond to God's message of salvation, respond in a positive way? What about after receiving the message of Christ? Can anyone testify to the patience of God after becoming a child of God? I hope my hand is not the only one up. God's patience. We make mistakes. He picks us up again. We fall down. He's there to help us to keep going. The patience of God is something that never ends. There's a story of a kindergarten teacher. It was time for the kids to go out, and this little boy was struggling with his boots. And they're supposed to put on their boots, but she was trying to hurry, so she goes over and and helps him with his boots. And she realized that it was a chore to get them on. No wonder he couldn't do it on his own. But with him pushing and her pulling, they finally got the boots on, and the boy looks down and he, he says, they're on the wrong feet. <laughs> so she looked down and he was right. So it was almost as hard to get the boots off. And then they turned them around and the struggle to get them back on again. And the boy's sitting there and he says, these aren't my boots. So she takes them off again with the struggle. And the boy looks at his teacher and he says, these are my brother's boots and my mom told me to wear them today. (laughs) Now, at that point she, she didn't know if she should laugh or if she should cry. But she got the boots again and got them back on his feet with the same struggle that she had had. There he was, ready to go out, and she says, where are your mittens? I put them in the toes of my boots. (laughs) Pastor Todd, I hope you're laughing, because that was a good one. Have you ever had one of those days where there, there should have been a warning sign, patience needed? The patience of God flows from the very center of who God is. And it is there that we find God's mercy, God's grace. It comes from the very heart of who who God is and his love for us. God's word does reveal that one day sin will be judged, all unrepented sin. But for now, we live in a day of God's patience. Today, we live in a day of God's patience where he is still reaching out to people, where he's still revealing himself to people, where he is still waiting. His patience, his mercy, his grace. Exodus 34 says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and the transgression and sin. In 2 Peter 3, 
In 2 Peter chapter 3, we read this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. But as for today, people, we live in a day of God's patience, God's grace. Salvation is still offered, and God is still patiently calling to each one. Fourthly, we look at hope in changed hearts. There was a man who was cleaning windows on the 25th floor of a building. In the process of cleaning these windows, he slipped and he fell. He was wearing no safety equipment and there was nothing to cushion his fall and yet he wasn't hurt at all. He was washing the windows from the inside. Location, location, location. Outside of a relationship with God, with a wrong attitude towards God and Jesus Christ leads to a great fall and a very hard landing. But inside, with a right attitude, in a relationship with God, we find new life, we find forgiveness and hope. In in Jonah chapter 3, we have the story of Nineveh that hears, the, that hears the message of Jonah, and they repent. From the king all the way down to everyone, they humble themselves, they cry out to God, hoping beyond hope that God might relent, and he does. Even the hardest of hearts, even the proudest hearts can be changed. Charles Allen said this, that when you say a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door in the face of God. In Matthew chapter 19, Paul talk, or Peter talking about who can be saved, and Jesus replies, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jonah did not have a hope for Nineveh. In reality, Jonah did not want a hope that Nineveh would be saved. But he knew that if the people repented, that God would turn from his wrath. He knew that God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. A changed heart, a changed attitude can unlock the mercy and the grace of God. In the Old Testament... In the Old Testament, God required people to have a changed attitude, to repent and to seek his face. In the New Testament, God requires people to have a changed attitude and to repent and to seek again God and to find the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of examples through the disciples. Saul, who became Paul, is a great example of a changed heart that seems so hard, and yet God reached down and changed. And for 2,000 years, people 
have come to God and have had a change of heart and attitude. We read in 1 Corinthians 6, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Change leads to being changed. Lastly, and I don't know where I am in the slide, so let's see if I can find it. I don't know where it is. The last one is hope in the mercy of God. In uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Mercy can be simply defined as not getting what we deserve. There's a story about Emperor Napoleon that a mother had come to him crying and begging for her son's life. Napoleon looked at her and said that this was not his first offense and that justice demanded that he should die for his offense. The mother cried out that she wasn't looking for justice, but was begging for mercy. Napoleon looked at the mother and said, your son does not deserve mercy. And this mother, broken, looked to the emperor and said, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Napoleon was touched by her reply, and her son was pardoned. When God saw what the city of Nineveh did, he relented. God had provided a messenger. He provided a message. God provided the chances, the opportunity, the time to change and to turn. But God forces no one. We must all choose on our own to receive his mercy, his grace, to change our own attitude towards him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart, one believes and is justified. And with your, with your mouth, one confesses and is saved. Hebrews 2, 3 says this, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation, this hope that we have is an eternal one. The mercy of God is for this life, but also for the next. Billy Graham has said this, For the believer, there is hope beyond the grave, because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. John 3.16, the last part of that verse, says that should not perish, but have eternal life. The message of hope is a message that everyone has to receive personally on their own in their relationship with God. 
I invite you today and remind you that today is still the day that God's arms are open wide. The patience of God, the grace, the love of God is still with men that we can receive this new life, this hope in Jesus Christ. But church, this message of hope is also to be lived every day so that people can see it. This message of hope is meant to be lived in every situation. I know at times things are good and we live in a good country. I'll tell you, I've done a little bit of traveling and I've seen some places and I'll tell you, our country is blessed. We are, and we are blessed to be in this country. Can you say amen? amen? And keep praying for Canada. Amen? amen? There is still hope for Canada and the people of Canada. Can you say amen? amen? But I also realize that in our life we go through times of difficulty. We may not understand why. My job as pastoral care pastor is to care. It's to come alongside people who are going through difficulty. I've journeyed with some people here. It's been, it has been a privilege to journey with some people as they have been ending their earthly life. It's one thing I've learned is when we love, there's usually some degree of hurt that sometimes happens. That sometimes it hurts to love. And yet there's still hope. There's still hope. If you're going through something, a difficulty, a challenge in life, if there's something going on and you don't know why, and you've even asked God why, then stop asking and just look to him and rise up in hope and trust in him. It is not wrong to pray and ask God to change circumstances and situations and pray believing that he hears you and God answers prayer. Until he does, you keep living in the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Until he changes or calls you home, you keep walking every step with a smile, with a joy in your heart because you've got a hope that comes from Jesus Christ who doesn't change no matter what the weather is, no matter what circumstances you might be going through, God doesn't change and neither does his hope. So put your faith and trust in him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. There may be times you don't feel like you can get the next step. I'll tell you, I've experienced it and I know people have where they feel like God is just carrying them through. What a blessed place to be in the arms of God. That comes from trusting in him, hoping in him. I want to read this lastly. This comes from John Maxwell. 
He's actually one of the speakers for GLS, which is on this week here at the church. If you haven't registered, I want to invite you to do so. It is a great conference. It is fantastic. It is not just for business people, although business people can get a lot out of it, practically and for their own lives. But everyone has influence. And you will hear stories and be challenged and be encouraged by these speakers that will help you, that will encourage you. John Maxwell has said this, hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for the answer when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope endures hardships when no one is caring. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares to give when no one is sharing. Hope brings the victory when no one is winning. Hope in God is not wishful thinking. Hope in God is an assurance that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God who said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age is true to his word. He didn't promise that he would be with us only when things were good. But he encouraged us and said that even when things are bad, I will be there. No one, he says, can snatch you out of my hand. That is what we put our hope in. We put our hope in almighty God. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. I told you you would get louder by the end. (laughs) Let's stand together. Church, I hope this has encouraged you. That's my heart. And even before Pastor asked me to share this message, the idea of hope came in and was able to fit it in with Jonah. So I believe it was a message for someone or a few of us here today. God wants you to know and recognize the hope you have in him. But this message, although I hope it encourages you, is not meant to stay in this room or to stay hidden in your heart. Church, this message of hope is meant to be lived and to share with those around you. Don't be ashamed of the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Because the hope you have is yours because of the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. Amen? Amen. And there are people all around you who are crying out like those men in that sub. Is there any? hope. And what is our answer to those who would cry for hope? Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Yes. Yes. In and through Jesus.
Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for your holiness and justice. It's a part of who you are. But God, we thank you for your love that reached down, that sent our Lord. And Jesus, you came because of the very love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God, it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. But Jesus, it was your love for us that kept you there. Until you cried out, it is finished. You dealt with sin. You dealt with our sin. It is gone. It is paid for through your sacrifice, your blood. And now we stand in the hope that is ours through your name, through your cross. And God, I pray today that you would encourage each and every one of us. You know us, God. You know right now those that needed this message of hope. Holy Spirit, encourage them. Surround them. Raise them up. But God, each and every one of us who have received you, who believe in you, have this message. God, I pray that you would help us to take this message from this room and live it in our communities. There are people all around us, God. There are people all around us hurting. Help us not be silent anymore, but to share the hope that we have and that God is still available to all who believe and receive. And Lord, I pray for each of us here, we pray for our families, our loved ones, those that do not know you yet, that God, your spirit would move on their hearts and on their lives and draw them to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name, and all this, we pray for your glory and for your honor. And everyone said, amen. amen.